Hi, my name is Scott and I'm a member with Restored Church. If you're new, we want to welcome you and thank you for tuning in. We believe the church is not an event, but a family you belong to. So we would love the opportunity to connect with you. If you want to learn more about our church or if we can help you in any way, please visit our website www.RestoredTemecula.Church and click on contact. We also have a mobile app with resources including our Sunday messages, information about upcoming events, and other ways to connect. You can download our app on the Apple or Android app stores. With all that said, we hope you enjoyed the message. I love you guys. I'm going to try to speak without losing it today. I'm very tender. Five years is really remarkable. Uh, yeah, man, it's just nuts. Okay, so if you've been journeying with us uh, and you've been to one of these birthday gatherings before, you kind of know what to expect. If you haven't, um, here's what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to hear from you. <laughs> you're going to hear from the church about some of the ways that God has um, expressed his love and his care and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness uh, to people within our midst through his church. That's you, okay? Uh, and the reason we do this is because, uh, one of the reasons that we do this is because, man, like we tend to be people who kind of fly through life. And one of the results of us being the the kind of people that, that have very thin margin in our lives and, 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 and just kind of like, I don't know, we, we, we tend to rush, we tend to move at a, at a pace with which oftentimes God didn't create us to move at such a quick pace in life, filling our schedules, filling our time. And one of the byproducts of living at such a, a hectic pace is it's more difficult to like stop and smell the roses, if you will. It's more difficult to slow down enough to really like contemplate and reflect on the goodness and the grace of God in our lives and the ways that he has been so kind and so faithful to us. And so that's the heartbeat. That's the why behind the what of what we're going to do, okay? The why is we want to reflect on the faithfulness and the goodness of God, okay? And so here's what we're going to do. We're just going to take turns. We have a handful of people that are going to share with you. I'm going to introduce them one by one, but... If you guys uh, know that, anybody know what is the most, uh, the, 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 what is it? There's phobias that we deal with as people. And the greatest phobia in society is not death, it's public speaking, okay? And so, as an act of love and an act of like cheering each other on, when I call people up, will you just like erupt with like, like, like applause and care and love to make it a little less awkward for them? They're doing something very vulnerable, they're honoring you by being vulnerable and sharing in the ways that God has loved them through our community. So, first things first, I'm going to invite up Molly and Bobby Thornock. Will you guys erupt the applause for them? Yes! I should have just said the whole Thornock family, but... Good morning. Happy birthday, Restored. I'm Molly, and this is Bobby and Magnolia and Little Junebug. And we have been attending Restored since early 2019. 
as I've taken some time to think over the last year and the ways I've seen Jesus in this church, um, presence and generosity have really stuck out for me. I have felt his love and presence through community here, especially our gospel community. Um, it's so special to do life with people who all come together because of a shared love for Jesus. Each week, we are reminded that it's not our age, our marital status, favorite football team, politics, or how long we've been a Christian for that brings us together, it's Jesus. In this community, no one is putting on a show. Everyone truly comes as they are. Knowing that to be fully loved, we need to be fully known. I have seen Jesus's love in ways that we have all been present for each other in the highs and lows, in grief and celebration. They have been physically present in our lives, but also present in prayer. Um, to have brothers and sisters that you can depend on for prayer at any time of day is such a blessing. And I mean any time of day or night. Um, our GC has prayed for me uh, days before Junie was born, which gave me peace and courage when I was struggling with anxiety about her delivery. Um, they have prayed for me as I tried to figure out what my career was going to look like with two littles and then prayed prayers of praise as I was unexpectedly offered a stay-at-home job. And then there's a bunch of us that had babies during the last year and to have that support, playdates, texts in the middle of the night, people that you can hand your babies off to is such a gift in this hard and exhausting but beautiful season. They have shown up and reached out in times of need and joy. In community, I've learned that I'm never alone in what I'm going through because Jesus is present and revealing his love through his people. I have seen Jesus in their generosity in my family's life. When Junie was first born, they set up a meal train for us, which was so helpful and loving, and I think fed us for like a month. I was able to go be with a friend who tragically lost her daughter because a family in our GC shared their flight vouchers with me. We really feel like this community is a family and are so thankful for the ways that our family has been loved. I am convinced that these people are the way that they are, generous and present in our lives because of their love for Jesus and his love for them. Happy birthday, church. We celebrate you and your village of people that love each other big. Wonderful. Next. <laughs> Danielle Johnson, come on up, Danielle. weeks ago and someone asked me which was scarier jumping out of a plane or public speaking and so since people's fear of death is less than public speaking I guess this is scarier um, I have been part of restored since August of 2021 so almost two, two years now and although I've been a follower of Jesus since I was 15, I had become comfortable and complacent in my faith over the years. Um, 
three years ago, my, sorry, this is still really hard to say out loud. Um, my husband walked away from his faith and our marriage and I was completely shattered. Since my marriage had become my idol uh, and how I identified with the world, I had no idea who I was when it was gone. Um, but God, who I now see, had his hand on me, guiding me through every moment of this season, had such a plan to give me a clear vision of who I truly am and what I am meant for. A daughter, his daughter, part of his church. And I never really entered into this type of living that was meant for me because I was so caught up in the superficial nature of this world, the perfect family, the house, the comfort, the status quo. Um, but God was going to use my pain to rebuild me. But first, I needed to answer his nudging and take the first step in faith and vulnerability, which was to get into community. And I remember walking up to Jules and Jen, wherever she is, um, on my first Sunday here, because they were greeting, and I didn't know anybody at Restored. And basically falling into their arms and <laughs> crying and telling my whole life story. And um, I just remember how um, God had ripened me for that moment and, and brought the right women around me to transparently and powerfully love on me. And it was just so beautiful. Uh, leading up to that moment, God was showing me that I had to be known in order to be loved. And the first people that I met here confirmed just that for me. And that first Sunday, uh, I cried with and was prayed over by multiple people. And um, I went, I remember I went right home and I emailed Rosie. <laughs> and I asked to be a part of a community group as soon as possible. And God knew and he had me just where he wanted me. And not by coincidence, um, the intro to GC started just that week or the week after that. Um, which was so God. And um, it has been such an incredible blessing to be a part of Herrick and Heather's GC. And it's been genuinely life-giving to me. It's required me to show up and be seen and known. But at the end of pretending that everything's okay is something really beautiful. And if, it was, if I wasn't broken into pieces that I had to figure out how to put back together, I might have missed that. Um, the friends that told me about Restored originally were people that I had trusted. So I had an idea of what type of people, um, what type of genuine people to expect before walking in. Um, but again, I didn't know anybody. Um, but my confirm the confirmation of my decision kept coming week after week and still continues today that I had come to the right place for true rest for my soul. And I now know that a person or a relationship or a group can never fully satisfy my soul like Jesus can. But the people and the teaching that I've found in this community are like honey, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. And like it says in Proverbs, um, the sweetness of a friend is counsel to the soul. And I just love that so much. Oh, is it so true? And my gospel community in particular has continually pointed me to Jesus, reminded me of the gospel's foundational power in my life, 
and proclaimed capital T truth over lies that I would have so much more easily believed if I had isolated myself, which I wanted to do. <clears throat> and they've reminded me that I am not forsaken, and not only because I have a community around me now that feels like family, but because God's love for me is truly enough. And uh, I think the verse that resonates most with me while reflecting over the past year is 2 Corinthians um, 12, 9. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. Dude, I can't get out. Destiny and Andrew, just please come up here. <laughs> Destiny and Andrew, everybody. Okay, what a rock star. Just giving birth. Come on. So if I cry, it's the hormones. And it doesn't look like Rachel McAdams from The Notebook. So don't judge. Um, I'm way more nervous than I thought. Uh, when I came to Restored, I was in a lot of pain. And my guard was up from some bad experiences in the church. And I really wasn't too sure if church could be a safe place for me. But I also came in so broken that I was willing to give anything a shot to feel whole again. I had a notion that I had to be cleaned up before coming back and that I had to be in good graces to receive grace. I'm a recovering addict and at the time I started coming, I was detoxing after battling a 13 year addiction. I came home from rehab before my first service and had a basket of all my favorite things, sodas, Coca-Cola specifically, in different varieties, candies, fuzzy socks, and more, with a card signed from an intro to GC group my sisters were attending. These people didn't know me, and I was far from perfect, but showed me God's love, and I won't forget that feeling. My family asked me to join this intro to gospel community on Tuesday nights to get prayer and fellowship and to help me with the new life that I wanted. So this story is what made me fall in love with Restored, and I didn't know all of the story until about a year ago. My first night going in, I was late because I was doing outpatient rehab and I was really embarrassed about that. I had this feeling still of needing to put a mask on of this good cleaned up Christian, which coming from outpatient rehab made me feel like this is not gonna work, they're not gonna like me, they're gonna ask why I'm late, I don't wanna tell them, and I hated being late in general, so I was super insecure. I knock on the door, and to my surprise, everyone was still getting their plates of food and welcomed me in with being the first to actually get a plate. I didn't even miss the Lord's Supper prayer. I was really excited about that. I continued to go to this community for a while and open up to new friends in Christ. While I was talking to my sister who was also attending this, maybe a year after that, and she told me, did you know that that first night that you came to Gospel Community and you're worried about being late, when you knocked on the door, Tom told everybody to get up, even though we just sat down to open the book and to grab a plate. We're doing this all over again, as if we just started. 
And that's exactly what they did. They wanted to make sure that I felt comfortable and not awkward walking in. These people ate a second dinner to make sure that I was not that I was comfortable. That's the way Jesus loves, and knowing that showed me the heart of the people of this church. Jesus went out of his way to welcome messy people, and this community reminded me of that. Unfortunately, I didn't stay sober, even after that, and had to get more help and treatment. And when I came back from treatment this time, I came back with a boyfriend and pregnant. <laughs> I really thought there was no way this church is gonna accept me now. <laughs> but I needed them more than ever. I wanted my daughter to grow up feeling loved by the people who love Jesus first. I wanted help in our marriage. I needed help guiding my life. I didn't want to go back to my old life, and we really wanted this to work. I came in with Andrew, and we have been loved on, cared for, and seen by so many. We joined a GC that has walked us through pregnancy, parenthood, marriage, and more pregnancy. We have church that doesn't, we have the church that doesn't see us, or that does see us, for more than our sins and our past. And instead, they see us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Restored is just that for our family. Restoration of our hearts and lives. And I'm so grateful for all of you. Some of you have hosted baby showers for us, Parker's birthday party, sang at our wedding, married us, and blessed us with the most amazing food postpartum coming up, as well as watched our children. And you have no idea how much that means to me to have people in this church that I trust to take care of my kids. Like you say in the beginning, this isn't a building, this is a family, and you have showed us just that. Thank you, Restored. Um, there's tissues over here if you want them. Uh, uh, Dorian, come up. Love you. Give him some. Give him some love. Uh, good morning, family. As I sat down to uh, ponder about what and how to share, I found myself immediately going to, he loves me. I needed a season to be reminded of his great love. And uh, throughout my life, I have encountered pain, grief, I've sinned and been sinned against. This all led to deep wounds and a feeling of being rejected that I carried with me. It shaped how I responded to people, how I received criticism, how I received love from others. I found myself believing lies about me and lies about Jesus. Lies that I was alone, lies that I was unloved, Lies that I wasn't understood. That people would never understand me. 
Lies that I was unworthy. I was believing in these lies that led to an unwanted behavior. I became defensive with others. Literally depressed at times. Angry in situations that I could not control. This all led to a pattern of defensiveness for me. And I had no idea where it was coming from. I shared this all with you in January and I simply didn't want to react this way anymore. But God, rich in his mercy, with the generosity of the church, God's people, I had the unbelievable opportunity to go to Salem, Ohio. I know it doesn't sound like a destination one would choose to go to, but I went there with a desire to sit in humility so that I may receive from a father that loves to sit with the broken. And boy, was I broken. In Ohio, I passed a few horses drawn carriages on a narrow road as the sun set. I drove up to a home sitting on a few acres with a lake and this home seemed like an ordinary home. Um, it was large, but ordinary. And I was to meet up with my caregiver um, as I embarked on a one-week intensive therapy to work on the wounds and the feeling of rejection that I carried and believed to be true about me. The funny thing is, my caregiver was tardy. <laughs> It was 6 p.m., it was pitch black dark, and I needed to use the restroom. <laughs> Pretty bad. Um, I called Keith, and then I gained access to, to the home um, via code. Uh, thank God for technology. Um, I entered a relative dark home with a single light shimmering on a circular table. Um, I'm not gonna lie, um, I was a bit uneasy. I used the restroom and I exited the home and decided to wait in my car for my caregiver. <laughs> His arrival kind of put me at ease um, as we began to take a tour of the beautiful home. But I kept asking my caregiver, Keith, I said, if I was the only one there, I kept asking him that. But he seemed not to hear me um, the first time I asked. <laughs> Um, as we wrapped up the home tour, I decided to ask him one more time. I said, hey, Keith, <laughs> am I the only one here? He heard me this time and said, yes. I'm not sure why. Just last week, we had a full house of men going through the intensive, but you were the only one this week. I simply said, okay. So for me to be alone was a lot. I don't like being alone. I love people. I love conversations. I love interacting. But God, he had a different plan. He wanted me to himself. No distractions. No opportunities to perform or to pretend. He wanted all of me. And this was the only way that I could hear him so he can tell me that I'm not alone.
that I have Jesus. And Jesus sets the lonely in families. That entire week was unbelievable. Jesus met me in spaces that I felt I would never receive freedom from. Like I never thought I would receive freedom from this. So I want to leave you with two very real experiences that I had with Jesus. Over the course of time, I needed to lament, to grieve the wound of rejection. I wanted so badly to be accepted, to, um, be accepted. And this led me to pretend and perform and to try to gain acceptance from others. My caregiver, Keith, he gave me an assignment. We talked about all the things I hold on to, things that I haven't properly lamented over, meaning I haven't grieved in a healthy way. So he told me to write Jesus a letter. But not just any letter, but a letter that was from the heart. He wanted me to be my authentic self. Keith told me to not hold back, to let it all out on paper towards Jesus. He said, allow Jesus to be the target of my arrows instead of other people, because Jesus can take those honest arrows. So I sat down and I started to write my lament and my mind was moving faster than what I could keep up with in my pen. I told Jesus everything, everything. And I wept uncontrollably into the evening. The next day came as I sat with Keith. He told me that we are now going to do an exercise where you invite Jesus in your mind's eye to a safe place so you can encounter him. Now, this was not foreign to me because I did this exercise with Herrick um, and it was life-giving. Uh, I think you should try it, you'll like it. <laughs> my safe place happened to be my home office, um, also known as Eva's art room, my daughter. <laughs> I asked Jesus to meet me there, and he did not withhold. Guided by Keith, Jesus was there, and then I began to read my lament to him. As I read, I wept, tears staining my journal, and then my caregiver told me to hand over my lament to Jesus. This was not easy for me. Jesus stood there waiting for me to give it to him. And I wanted to hold on to it because it was my identity. It's who I thought I was. Instead, Jesus wanted me to have a new identity and it was found in him alone. He wanted me to know that I wasn't alone, that he understood, that he has been sinned against, and that he knew how that felt. And he wanted me to know that my pain and sorrow will one day be turned into a, to beauty and used for his glory. I held my lament in my hand like it was a scroll and I eventually handed it over to Jesus. And as Jesus took my lament, 
it actually went in him. He consumed it. It wasn't like he ate it or anything, but it's like he just consumed it. And then I cried again, and Jesus was holding me, and he said that I don't have to carry the pain of rejection anymore, and that he loves me. Previously, my caregiver, Keith, gave me four bandages that I was to write down wounds that I wanted Jesus to heal. What was on those bandages was three sources of rejection, but the last one was blank. I came to the session with Keith, with my bandages, ready to experience Jesus again, so I would be healed from the wounds. Although I was ashamed that I didn't have a fourth, but Keith said that it probably represents a future wound that would need healing. Now it was time to enter that safe place again, but this time it wasn't my office. It was a beautiful garden with very high hedges, enclosing the garden with all kinds of colorful flowers. It was gorgeous. And in the middle of the garden, there were two wicker chairs and a glass table in the middle of them. I felt so very safe there. My caregiver began to guide me to allow Jesus to enter my safe space. As I asked Jesus to come meet me, the hedges parted from the top to bottom and Jesus enters eating a bowl of fruit. I couldn't describe the fruit. I just knew it looked delicious. Jesus asked us if we can sit down. And of course, I was just like, yeah, Jesus, come sit down. Two glasses of water appeared. And then my caregiver asked me to ask Jesus, what two wounds would he like to heal? But God, rich in his mercy, had other plans. Instead, Jesus took me to a time in my life where I was a child, about nine to ten years old. I'm sorry. Is there any tissue? I'm sorry, guys. It's, it's, it's real. Thanks, brother. Appreciate it. Um... So yeah, instead, Jesus took me to a time in my life where I was a child, about nine to 10 years old. I was sick as a child, um, riddled with asthma, um, attacking my lungs frequently, and my immune system was weaker than most kids at my age. My mother would stay awake with me all hours of the night, serenading me as I lay on her lap and her gently stroking my hair to soothe me as I was in pain. She would sing this song, and it goes a little like this. It goes, um, that's why all the moms in town follow you when you're around, just like me. They long to be close to you. 
Then suddenly Jesus and I were back at the wicker chairs in the garden. He turned towards me and what felt like a thunderous roar, yet still and gentle, he said, behold, I love you. In that very moment, I felt seen and loved. The lies that I was alone melted away. The pain of rejection was gone, and I wept uncontrollably, feeling every bit of Jesus' love in that moment. Then my caregiver, Keith, he asked if there was anything else Jesus wanted to say to me. <laughs> I said, yes. I was transported to when I first had my daughter. I was alone on the couch in my home with her. She was a newborn. My wife, Rosie, must have had ran some errands just getting out of the house. Um, she looked unreal. She looked like a porcelain doll. My wife, Rosie, took real good care of her. And I remember looking towards the heavens and saying, oh God, I love her so much, but I'm so not worthy to be her father. Then I was immediately back at the wicker chairs and Jesus said, Dorian, this is how I hold you and I am worthy. Hearing that I immediately began to worship Jesus because he is worthy. And he met me where I was in all the mess to specifically rescue me. These experiences that I shared are uniquely mine. But what I do know is that Jesus wants this for all of us. You might not go to Ohio, but I heard he does a mighty work in Cali too. This process is ongoing, and I know my story isn't finished. But this is how Jesus met me with love. I firmly believe that Jesus uses the church, this family. And it's remarkable, and I'm not sure where I would be without this family, without this church. So thank you, Restore. Thank you. And happy birthday. Oh, yeah, you need those. All right, next up, Ryan and Kate Hill. Where are you guys at? They clapped for you as you were exiting your aisle. Good morning. Thanks for having us follow that. That said, Go ahead, Kate. <laughs> For some years now, I have noticed God working in my life, but something was hindering my relationship with Jesus. Recently, God intervened with an intense dream that left me praying to reveal its meaning. A week later, I got a word, repentance. Sure enough, 
The following Sunday's sermon, Tom spoke of beholding God in our failures. Herrick closed saying, Sometimes we over-identify with our shame and under-identify with our Savior. This resonated with me, and after sharing my dream with Tom and Herrick, I had a revelation that God wanted to free me from long-held shame. This felt like the personal revelation of who Jesus is that Tom and Herrick speak of. What God revealed to me is that with Jesus, repentance doesn't come with condemnation, but rather understanding, forgiveness, and freedom. Kate and I went on a date on that particular Sunday, and as she tearfully laid out the details of her epiphany, the sun broke through. We were at Bataya, otherwise um, known as Restored 2.0. Anyway, it was, you know, a particularly cold and gloomy winter we've had, and that day was no different. And, And as the sun broke through, it glistened off her hair and illuminated her face in a way I swear I've never seen before. But I knew it was more than just the golden hour light. It was a light from within, a palpable inner peace and freedom. I teased her. I said, you have that Jesus glow. <laughs> to get a picture of God's pursuit of us, we should give some background. We had both, both had mostly secular upbringings. Early in our life together, we were curious about God but we thought we were smart enough or could just be good enough on our own. But in 2009, at the height of the financial crisis, we found ourselves pregnant with our first child, foreclosing on two houses, and scrambling to find a place to rent with our now damaged credit. Not to mention we were heartbroken after fostering our nephews, only to see them placed back in their troubled home. Ultimately, we found a place to rent, and there I became friends with a neighbor. When she was eight months pregnant with her third child, her husband lost his job. At a time when we were riddled with fear and anxiety about our financial situation, I was in awe of her faith when she told me she wasn't afraid and trusted in God. Jesus glow. (laughs) A few years later, we moved to Temecula, knowing only my cousin. Our next door neighbors happened to teach at the same school as her. It was an instant connection. They were Christians with kids a bit older than ours, and they demonstrated how putting God at the center of their family produced good fruit. And despite modest means, they were as content as anyone. Jesus glow. (laughs) So we decided to dip our toes into church, but mostly as a, this would be good for our family thing, and not so much about developing a relationship with Jesus. In that vein, I ended up joining a mops group where I met Erica. She showed me the peace that comes from the Holy Spirit. It made me yearn for that in my life. I like to sum it up by saying, I'll have what she's having. Ladies, Jesus. I also met Lisa through that mops. I witnessed her endure constant hardships and was amazed at how, through faith, she persevered. Not only that, but her obedience to God grew all the while. Also, her level of empathy and heart of mercy was like nothing I'd ever witnessed. Fellas, Jesus glow. 
While we still weren't sure if there really was a God, it was through admiring these friends' faith that we decided to live as if we believed in God. What could it hurt? Living as if meant praying. So for many months, I prayed for God to bring Christian men into Ryan's life. And each time I prayed, I would see an image of my friend Marla's husband, Mike, whom at the time I hadn't formally met. Then, in 2019, we experienced a devastating loss. Tragically, my little brother Matt took his life. It was out of desperation that we joined Erica and Lisa at a restored gathering. It felt great in that way that crying in a room full of strangers, <laughs> listening to worship and the pastor speak directly to your heart, and surely only your heart, can make you feel. We came back the next week and heard Chris from South Africa. Different sermon, same restorative tears. Immediately following, Erica asked if she, Tom, and Chris could pray for us. This was a new experience. My first time meeting them, but here they were pouring into me and asking God for mercy for, brother, for my brother and peace for my family. A couple of gatherings later, Marla introduced me to Mike. It turned out that Mike knew my brother from work in Long Beach. He knew of his passing, and as soon as he made that connection, you could feel his heartbreak for me. Later, I relayed that to Kate. She revealed her prayer to me, that she was praying for Christian friends for me and would see Mike. This was a defining event for us. How could this be just a coincidence? That's when our belief in God really took hold. We started to feel God calling us, so we decided to listen. We reprioritized and joined a GC. That turned out to be the best decision of our lives. Divinely, Mike and Marla ended up being two of our leaders and have been patient and encouraging disciples ever since. Through COVID, lockdowns, and other trials, our GC family kept us grounded and focused on the gospel. Weekly Lord's Suppers are the midweek refreshment we now crave, and it has extended beyond our GC to so many others in this community with whom God has so lovingly connected us. Marla recently sent me an excerpt from Plato's Republic. A quote stood out to me, like a health-giving breeze from a purer region. This is what this community has been for us. Restored is truly an apt name. Kate's prayer that God would bring Christian men into my life has been answered beyond our wildest dreams. There are too many to list, but I would, I now count them as my, my best friends and my strongest influences, turning to them for advice and prayer. However, I would be remiss if I didn't mention Dorian, who baptized my son and is a godsend for him. All of us who know Dorian can surely understand Jesus Glow. <laughs> so as cheesy as Jesus Glow sounds, and as much as I teased Kate about it, it soon took on a real meaning. The week following my date with Kate, when I'd witnessed her special illumination, our GC happened to discuss a verse in Exodus, brought up by Mike, of course. It was in Exodus, when Moses was speaking to the Israelites after his meeting with God. Exodus chapter 34, verse 35. 
and they would see that Moses' face was radiant. Happy birthday. Okay, I'm, I'm going to make it. Uh, our final and amazing and just wonderful, so good to see them in town, Colton and Mallory Moore. She's feeding, she's waving, she loves us. Thanks for having me. I'm sure most of you, which is an amazing feeling to have, are like, who is this guy? Uh, I moved up in 2016, 2017, I think, to be part of the launch team for Restore Temecula. And it's amazing that most of the room doesn't know who I am. I love that. Um, so about two years ago, um, you all sent me off to our sister church in Los Angeles, Restored Los Angeles, where I was dating my now wife. And um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to be back with you this morning. I wanted to share a little bit about our church's value of multiplication. So in the church in the West, it's typically like addition, how many people can we get here? But in the scriptures, you see God doing a work and then sending people out. And so that's what we value as a church is multiplication. So I wanted to share a couple stories with you today to kind of give you an update about what God is doing uh, in me and through me and in our church community in Restored Los Angeles and how you all have been a part of that. And uh, before I do, I just want to frame my time with reminding us of a story that happens in uh, the Gospels where Jesus is preaching and there's a crowd of about 5,000 men show up and Jesus doesn't want to send them away after he's preaching because he's worried they're going to pass out on the way home. So he says to his disciples, can we give them something to eat? And they're like, how are we going to feed all these people? Uh, we didn't even have enough money to feed some of them. And this little boy comes up and brings five loaves of bread and two fish he brings his little Hebrew Lunchable, and, and Andrew, the disciple's like, ah, Jesus, we have this, and he's like, have him sit down, and then Jesus miraculously multiplies this bread and feeds so much, uh, feeds everyone so much so that there was leftovers, and so I wanted to frame my time with you this morning to make it about not yay Colton, but yay Jesus, and this is what Jesus is doing, and that when we bring to him our fishes and loaves, we get to stand in awe of watching him do what he can do way over and above anything that we can do in our own strength. So um, first story is I showed up to Restore Los Angeles and there was a need for uh, gospel community leaders. And one of the existing gospel community leaders in our church asked me to come apprentice so that I could eventually take on my own group. And I as at that time realizing I have a deficit in relationships with people and I, I, I desperately want to grow into a person of love to be like Jesus and there's just a lot of shortcomings in my life and I'm really nervous about getting into a situation where I have to be the leader and I have to um, pursue relationships with people and I have to, all these things that I have to be this, I have to be this, I have to be this, I have to be this and eventually it just got to the place where I said, Jesus, I'm just going to step in and trust you I have these hangups, I have my baggage, and I know that you're able to work through me. And so uh, a, a, a guy joined our group who to this day is just a really dear friend of my wife and I, and he came with a lot of, and I don't use this word lightly, he came with a lot of trauma from the church, and he came with a lot of, a lot of deep 
pain in his life from uh, the hands of the church. So he came in and was very, very at a distance from everyone, as you would expect, and was very um, invulnerable and like Teflon, everything bounced off of him. And, you know, he was just kind of showing up and going through the motions. And one night about a year in, he came to us and had never done this before, but he just broke down weeping about his brokenness and his sexuality and not knowing what to do. And so he had heard of this program that he was going to start going through. It's um, this course called The Journey. And he was mostly just giving us an inform. Hey, I would like for you guys to just pray for me as I'm going through this curriculum. It's going to be really intense. And uh, my group and I decided to rally and actually go through the curriculum with him. And it brought us into a place where things that we were like, I will take this to my grave. No one will ever know was being brought into the light. And God was healing people from deeply seated pain in their lives in the area of our, of our sexualities. And now, uh, a year later, after going through that program, he is a changed man. He is different. He walks into the room. He's got a Jesus glow now. And uh, that was not coordinated. I just love that term, so I stole that from you guys. But um, he is just a, a brand new man. And God, in his poetic redemption, called him into the place that he experienced the deepest pain to bring him the deepest healing that he's desired. And it was him saying, yes, God, I'm going to come in and trust you that he got to experience this. And now, and I promised you I was going to talk about multiplication, he has received this healing and has said, I don't know what this looks like, but I've got to take men through this. Like, how can you get me in touch with people that we can go through this together because I've experienced something and I, I have to give it away to other people. So that was just one example of me stepping in saying, I don't know, God, I'll give him my best shot. Here's, here's what I have to offer. And he's just like, watch as I, as I just work in these men's life. And so I, I've gotten a front row seat to see what God has been doing in him. Uh, and the second example is I, again, a few months into uh, being part of this community, our third worship and tech director in five years had, had just stepped down and pretty abruptly, and we didn't really know what was going to happen. And so I have to caveat this by saying I feel like I had a little more than a couple uh, loaves of bread and some fish of going in to offer it a volunteer to take on this role. And I only say that not to boast about me, but because I was saturated in your culture for three years of people hungering for the presence of God. And I was like, I know, I know a little bit about what this looks like. I've seen it happen. I've seen people do this. I've been a part of it happening. How do I get the people in my community now to experience what God has done through Restore to Making and through my time there? So I got to step in, and my, my entire prayer was, Lord of the harvest, send workers, because this is too much for me to handle. Um, and it was a sacrifice for my, my fish and loaves was like, I'm expecting my firstborn child. There's a lot of time. There's a lot of energy. There's a whole foundation that needs to be laid for this ministry to be healthy. God, I don't know if I can do this. And I'm just praying, and God has, has provided over and above what, could I, what I could have ever have asked for. He has brought, I think we have a rotation of four worship leaders, two in training. We went from three musicians to like 10. People keep coming to me, and I'm like, I, well, I got to hold off for now. Like, we have too many people to onboard. Like, I don't know what to do with all these musicians that God is bringing to us, all these people just coming out of the woodworks. I'm like, okay, all right. Uh, we had one sound guy who was just like every Sunday, like the only guy running sound. And now we have a team of five, and our tech team has just expanded. And I've really watched people 
step in to really take ownership. Um, and then now about a year later after doing that, I've just said, I feel like that was my time and that was my purpose in this role. And we're now getting ready to hand it off to someone else who can take it farther. And when I, when I came into this, I knew I wasn't the best singer. I wasn't the best worship leader. I, I had all these like lack of technical musical experience. And I was just like, God, I, I really want to love these people. Can you help me? And I've watched God go above and beyond. So this morning, as we were hearing these beautiful examples of what God has been doing in the lives of people, I want you to remember that it all started with a group of people who had experienced God's grace and said, I'm going to move up because there's people in Temecula who need to hear this. And we're now celebrating five years of God's faithfulness because of one decision that a group of people made to come up. And so I want to ask you this morning, what are your loaves and what are your fish? What are your hangups? What are the areas of your life that you're like, I'm too broken, God can never use me. And I want to encourage you to, to bring this to your community and just say, Jesus, this is all I got. Like, can you work with it? And so what does it look like for us in our gospel communities? I know my wife um, has been in the best gospel community she's ever been in. And they are now deciding, like, we need to break off and send people. And it's uncomfortable and it's scary. And there's like a familiarity that, that these ladies have. Um, but it's worth it to go and multiply and not just continue to add people. So I want to encourage you this morning to bring your loaves and fish to Jesus and just... Um, Answer his invitation to partner with him in bringing heaven and earth together and just watch as he works. So thank you. I love you very much. Happy birthday. I'm so excited to be here. Okay. Uh, so here's the temptation for us. You guys are the most wonderful community of people. You're filled with God's spirit, the ways that you care for one another, the ways that you serve one another, the ways that you love one another. It's like, it's godly. And on top of that, you're really fun. You're like, you're a great hang. And so the temptation for, for us is gonna be to, at times maybe even, ascribe ultimate worth to the community. As amazing as the community is, there's a reason why you guys are so amazing. And it's more than a reason, it's a person. Psalm 115 verse 1 says this, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be the glory, because of your love and your faithfulness. Let's be people who cite the source. If you've been to college and you've had to fill out like a bibliography and all the things, you've got to cite your sources let us, be, let us always be a community of people who cite the source for the reason, for the Jesus glow. So beautiful, man. It, it's him, it's Jesus. 